Well, good morning. It is so good to see you today. And again, I just want to welcome those of you who are watching us online. I know Evan welcomed you. So whether you're in Muskegon, Coopersville, Spring Lake, maybe you're down in Florida, we're not angry. We're just a little bitter. Uh, we just want to welcome you for just, just for being here tonight, today. Sorry, it's been a long couple of days. We had a great event last night and uh, we're working on a little bit of sleep today. We're so thankful that we're in the midst of this series called Winterfest. And what we're talking about is this idea that what would, what would it look like if you and I, during this, this time of year, became more intentional about our relationships, if we were more focused and brought more meaning to them. And so, like I said, we, ha we had a great event last night. We had about 50-plus couples that came and were a part of our Celebrate Marriage event. And uh, we had two good friends of mine who came and shared and I will tell you, I'm not sure I have met two people who are more vulnerable and open, but also love Jesus in that process about who they are than Chris and Mary Conrad. And so we're blessed to hear from them today. I know they're going to share a little bit about their uh, experiences around marriage. But bigger than that, we're talking about that idea of what it means to grow in deepening relationships. Chris is our regional superintendent, which means he oversees about 170 plus churches in our area, uh, and they have two uh, teenage daughters, and we're just thankful for them also. I want to encourage, if you would, just to give them a warm All Shores welcome as they come and share today. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Pastor Steve. So, it's such a delight to be I always love being with All Shores. It's just such a delight. And I know you guys know this, but you have uh, some of the very best staff of any church anywhere. It's not so pick and fair that you have so many great people. And you're a great congregation. So it, you, this is a wonderful, wonderful combination of a great staff um, and a great congregation. Would you do me a favor? Would you just say, good morning, Mary? My much better half, my much better half. And honestly, I'm, I'm so stoked about uh, this second service uh, because I, I, I gotta tell you, we're kind of, we're going off. Um, we're kind of going off into the wild blue yonder here. I'm not gonna be really stuck to notes anymore because I just sense the Holy Spirit wants to do something really cool in this second service. So turn to your neighbor right now and say, boy, I'm glad we came to the second service today. Go ahead. <laughs> boy, I'm glad we slept in. Like, I'm glad we slept in a little bit. So um, what we, what we want to do is we're gonna re I'm going to read a little bit of Scripture for us, and then we're going to tell you a funny story, okay? So here we go, and then we'll talk about marriage. But here's what I'd say. Uh, if, you're, if you're not married, this, this message is every bit as much for you. Because what we're going to talk about is joy in the midst of relationships. How do we find joy in the midst of relationships? If you are married, and if you were to rate your marriage, if you were to be really, really honest and rate your marriage on a scale of 1 to 10, ah, we're a good strong 6 right now. Our prayer is that Holy Spirit would help you to go to a seven or an eight. If you're a two, which we've spent a, uh, a little bit of our marriage in, probably a lot of our marriage was a five, uh, we're praying that Holy Spirit would do a significant work in your life. So you ready? Strap in. Let's get ready to what Holy Spirit wants to say. But I'm gonna read first out of Ephesians chapter five. And this first verse is really, really important. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that really sets the foundation because what that verse says in Ephesians chapter five, verse 21 is, we submit to each other in relationships out of our reverence for Christ. For who? Say his name. For who? Christ. For Christ. So Christ is the foundation. He's the one we need to be looking at, not the other person. 
We don't look at the other person and say, will you please change? No, no, no. It's we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I'm going to read this passage differently. I'm going to read it out of order. I'm going to do it on purpose. I'm going to start with the guys. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word. And to present to her, to her, to himself as a radiant church. So Jesus was willing to do whatever it took to present you and I as a radiant person before the Father. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Do you know when God looks at you, he sees you as perfect? Some of you are walking around with significant shame. And yet the Heavenly Father because of Jesus' work on the cross, sees you as perfect, as beautiful, as really handsome, as really cool, as perfect. I love that. In this same way, husbands, love your wives just as you do your own body. Because he who loves his wife actually, in a certain sense, loves himself. After all, no guy ever hated his own body but they feed it, amen, and they care for their body, just as Christ does the church. At least we do when we're in our 20s, then after that, things go south. For we are members of his body. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. There's a lot I could say about that, but headship there is a headship of servanthood. That's our responsibilities, guys. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So Holy Spirit of God, would you take the next few moments and would you speak through my precious bride and I those things that you want to have said. We only want to say in the next few minutes those things that you want said in this time. Thank you for the incredible people that are in this room or watching online. We open ourselves up now to what you want to say to us. God, we don't want to leave the same people that we walked in here. We don't want to leave this time watching online the same people that tuned in a few moments ago. We want to be changed by you. So change us, we pray in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now I want you to imagine something with me. So Mary and I met in the fifth grade, no lie. Uh, we met in the fifth grade, and we got married in the sixth grade, so that was cool. Um, <laughs> it's actually a lie. No, we didn't get married so much. But, um, so we met in the fifth grade, and, um, and then eventually fell in love, and eventually got married, and we moved to Sturgis, South Dakota. Now, originally from San Diego, California, and we moved to Sturgis. Now, if you know the name Sturgis, South Dakota, the only reason you know that name is because it's famous for the Harley-Davidson rally, right? And, so, uh, and we moved there two weeks before the 50th rally. Um, and we thought we died and gone to hell. Like, <laughs> don't say right, the thing about no that. idea what we had actually grown up to. And, uh, and so anyways, we got there and we're there. But the thing about Sturgis was, is that it was a cultural experience for us both. Like we had no idea. Cause they have this thing there, not only do they have Harley Davidson's, but they have this thing there called winter. <laughs> okay. Now you got to understand winter to us was like 60 degrees and an occasional rain shower. Like, we had no idea what winter was. And I had friends, this is going way back when dinosaurs roamed the earth in 1990, which is when we got married. I had friends 
that, would, that were renting a, a couple of bedroom apartment not far from the house I grew up in for 1,350 bucks a month in 1990 in San Diego. Okay, to just give you a sense, we just had one of our dear friends just sell their house in San Diego, 1,300 square feet? Uh-huh. 1,300 square feet for $825,000. Okay, so, so we moved from San Diego to Sturgis where our friends are paying 1,300 bucks in San Diego for an apartment and we moved to Sturgis and I found us a three bedroom house for 250 bucks a month. Woo! What they yes. forgot to explain was that the house was over 100 years old. It was made of lath and plaster, which if you know what that means, it's like lath and plaster, nothing in between it. No and insulation. So there wasn't an inch of insulation. The windows were probably original to the house. And, um, and so our first winter, we, um, it's December. And I remember it was like the first week of December. And I had come home for lunch and I had... Um, had my lunch, and then, but didn't have time to do up the dishes. And so I just kind of rinsed them off and left them in a, a couple inches of water in the sink. And then Chris picked me up after work that day because I had moved to South Dakota without a legitimate jacket. I mean, I had a jacket that you would need for, for San Diego, but, but nothing that was South Dakota worthy. And so we decided, well, like this big storm was coming in. So we're like, you know, we really, I need to go get a jacket. And so what's hilarious though is because we didn't ask anybody for any advice. I remember we went, we drove uh, like 30 plus minutes down to, to this other town, Rapid City, South Dakota, and got a jacket. And I remember buying like this full length wool jacket with like the lovely buttons up the front. I mean, it was beautiful. It's very practical for South Dakota winters, right? No. 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 <laughs> and so we come back home and those dishes that I had left in the sink, our little heater had gone out. We had there's this little a, heater. Go ahead in the corner. No, there's a little tiny propane heater. That's all the house had. A little tiny propane heater. There's no such thing as central air or central heat in this place. 110-year-old house. And with a fan that blew it about four feet away from the, <laughs> you know, so it's like if you got real close to that heater, you could be warm. But the kitchen was, you know, one room over. And so we came back. Those dishes were, there was ice in the sink. Those dishes were frozen. The top of the toilet, the water, water there's a layer of frozen water. We're like, what in the world? Chris is down in, the, in this crawl space because it had like a dirt cellar. We're from California. We don't have basements. We don't have dirt cellars. We got, we are. But he went down there with a hair dryer and he's like, you know, blowing it on pipes. the pipes. Frozen pipes. And all this kind of stuff. So people had also told us, um, oh, you know, you should put some, some plastic lining over the windows that will really help with the draft. Okay, great. We never put glad wrap on Again, our windows. Yeah, when you're from but, San Diego, the idea of putting like glad wrap like on your windows. Okay, it wasn't really that, but whatever that like, stuff I mean, is. You have, again, we're so clueless, right? And then they told us you got to buy a, a Okay, stove. wait, no. So like we tell people at church, man, we're freezing. And this guy's like, you need a buck stove. We're like, okay. Yeah, so in this house, the original little one room that the rest of the house was built around, it had a stove pipe hole. Okay, I don't even know. Yeah, Chimney thing, I guess, yeah. right? And so he's like, you need, a, you need a buck stove. So that happened to be our master bedroom. And um, so we buy a buck stove off of this guy who had one in his basement. We put it in. And then Mr. Robideau came over and he taught us how to really make a good fire. Because, because the, the fire the, used to go out every night. Like, yeah, the, oh, we only knew Dura. How many of you have ever been to Walmart or whatever and bought a Dura flame? You guys have no idea what that is. It's just... You That's light it on fire and it stays lit for like an hour. And it's just, it's really pretty. It's that is the only way I knew how to start a fire. I knew nothing. When I tell you I was no Boy Scout, I knew nothing about starting a fire for heat. Zero. 
But okay. Mr. Robideau did. So Mr. Robideau came over and he showed us how to how to do the fire, how to stoke it just right, how to get it really good and awesome. hot, like all the right embers or whatever. So Chris is a good student. He learned well. And so this one night, now mind you, we got like our saran wrap over the windows. Okay, whatever that stuff is. We've got that all going. And... And so Chris goes in, checks the fire. He's like, yeah, I'm going to put one more log on the fire. So he puts one more in and he shut the door to, the, to this cast iron stove situation, maybe a tad too hard. And the stovepipe fell out of the wall and it fell down right between our dresser and the foot of our bed. Thank God it didn't fall on the bed. It would have lit our bedspread on fire. So it falls down and then... The house is now filling with smoke. So I'm ripping saran wrap off the window so that we can open the window so that we can get the smoke out. Chris is, I'm he goes, and he's got to get the, the thing back in the hole, so right? Because it's like gloves. billowing. I get these gloves and I take we these. We only have ski gloves, like little nylon ski gloves. That's all I've okay, got. If you, so if, you're half, if you have a half a brain cell, you know what's going to happen. So he picks it up. <laughs> he's putting them in there. So, you know, the gloves are now melting to the stovepipe. And so he's... He's getting super intense and I'm laughing my head off because this kind of stuff makes me laugh. And so then yeah. he's like, I need a screwdriver. I'm like, okay. So I go to the junk drawer and I come back with a screwdriver because he's trying to get the stovepipe in the hole. And so he hits it with the screwdriver. What happened? Punched a hole, right? Punched into the a hole pipe. in it, right? Because it's hot metal and he just hit it with the awesome. screwdriver. Now he punched a hole in the only stovepipe that we had with the billowing fire, with the whatever. And so. That story <laughs> sums up the first 20 years of our marriage. Our expectations were this really yeah, lovely again, house out go on the prairie. It, we go into it with this, hey, 250 bucks, this is awesome. And then, oh, oh. Oh. There was also the little part that we were three miles out on a gravel road. Did I mention we're from California? We know nothing about driving in snow. We're not just driving on the little city streets in snow. We're going three miles up and over the gravel road to get over there with the cattle guards. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. And here's, here's why we tell you that story. We tell you that story because if you would have known the homes that she and I grew up in, that Mary and I grew up in, you would know that we were just as we went. Anyone who knew anything, anyone who has your smarts because you have grown up in the winter or you've been around the winter for long enough, you know these things that happen. Anyone that would have looked at our marriage going into marriage who would have known about our backgrounds would have said, oh my gosh, you guys are in for it. Because I grew up in a home where my parents were really good at faking it. And they faked it for all the married life. My dad shut down emotionally when he was probably 15 or 16 years old, like a lot of guys do, and he never came alive emotionally after that. He went to his grave emotionally dead. A part of him died when he was 16. And men, I wanna say very carefully and very lovingly and very gently, some of you are going through the motions. And your bride or your girlfriend or someone in your life is begging you to wake up, is begging you to be real emotionally with them. But you shut down. Your dad shut you down. You tried to reach out to your dad and he wouldn't be real with you emotionally. So you shut down. And now you've spent in your married life the last 
three years, 30 years, shut down. And when we got done singing that song, Come Alive in the Name of Jesus, Come Alive in the Name of Jesus, what might it look like for you guys to come alive? Gals, I say this very lovingly. Some of you shut down because you were sexually abused. And there's part of you that just shut down. And you've been shut down for decades of your life. But there's, the but there's healing in the name of Jesus. And there's an invitation by the Holy Spirit to come alive and allow him to heal you. And if you would have known the home that Mary grew up in and the, the chaos that was her home, oh my goodness. So much chaotic stuff going on in her household that by the time we get together, we're a hot mess with no sense of what reality is and what, norm, what, what, what normalcy looks like. And I think if I could add, part of what happened in our childhood homes is I came out of, our, out of my home. I left home like two weeks after I turned 18. Um, I was very, very, very independent, even as a kiddo. And um, because my mom, God bless her sweetheart, had basically abdicated her parental responsibilities. So when I was about four years old. Can I say it's because she shut down when she was a little girl. So she abdicated all of her parental responsibilities. So Mary was the parent was the mom of that household from the time Mary was about five. Sorry, go ahead. But I was the baby, and I have three older brothers. And so the way that if you're five and you're, you think you're in charge, um, you know, the way you do that is being very, very strong, very harsh, very cut the legs out from underneath them, tell it like it is, people can get over it. If I hurt your feelings, that's too bad. And so I came out of, our, of my home like that. Chris came out of his home very, very performance oriented. Performance oriented and super sensitive because his mom um, yeah. is a person that you kind of need to test the temperature with. I love her. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you guys like, oh, she just slammed the car door, the door into the garage, and the door into the house. It's not going to be a good evening. Okay, let me adjust my behavior accordingly. So that was kind of Chris's thing. And he's like, very aware of other people's... Yeah, I always had to be aware of whatever mood my, my parents were in, especially my mom, very aware, because that set the atmosphere for the entire home, for the entire evening, or the entire day, or the entire weekend. As a result of that, I'm, I've, I've over, as, my, as our Christian counselor said, Chris, you have an overdeveloped sense of, 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 of being sensitive uh, to other people's actions. Well, so I'm, I'm over here. Now, I don't mean this weird. I, I can be a strong person. I can be intense, there's an intensity that's part of me that's absolutely there, but... And I could match that intensity, yeah, not a problem. <laughs> yeah, but she can match that, and she can come after it. And so all of a sudden, there's all this kind of stuff that's going on. And so you come into marriage with expectations, and there's a quote that says, disappointment is the gap that exists between expectation and reality. Disappointment is the gap that exists between expectation and reality. So meanwhile then, there's this invitation by the Holy Spirit to actually learn from him what he wants in our relationship. But instead of being tuned into the Holy Spirit and what he was wanting to do, again, what does is, what is, uh, Ephesians 5 verse 21 say? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
which again means that my focus needs to be on the Lord Jesus. And then out of that comes this relationship. But I'll tell you what happens to 99% of us, and that is, is that we get so focused on the other person, our, our boss at work, our coworker at work, our, our child that's driving us crazy, our fellow student at school, or our spouse, or the person that we're dating. We get so focused there that we just get really irritated. And we spent so many years of our married life a little bit screaming at each other sometimes, but more just irritated at each other, continually irritated at each other, because we're different. Um, you know, again, I'm a, I'm a neat freak. Mary is a clean freak. I think you ought to be everywhere 10 minutes early. Mary's all, that's a waste of time, right? How many of you, have, how many of you understand that opposites attract until they start attacking? Right? I mean, hey, we're attracted to the other person because they're different than us. And then we get married and we say, why aren't you more like me? And we spend the next decades trying to change the other person. When God doesn't want us to change the other person. God wants us actually, catch this, he wants to teach me to be more like him through her. So let me just give you really one real practical one. Again, I'm, um, I'm a neat freak. She's a clean freak. Okay? So... Oh, and spontaneous, yes. You're Miss Spontaneous and, and, and loving every moment. Uh, whereas I've got to have everything planned. But, uh, so we, there, there are some people that closets are where clothes are to be hung up. There are other people that closets are just where you can find clothes. Right? So can I just The be bars work really well for hanging things over them also. <laughs> I mean, you don't always have to go to the effort to get the hanger out and do that. Like, right? So right? I, I know that I'm the only person in the room like this. I, I understand that. I so, don't put stuff on the floor of the closet. Though. No, That's you hardly ever do that. But so what would happen is, is I'd come into the closet and I'd want it to be what? I'd want it to be neat, right? And, and so I would sit there and I would start hanging things back up again. Because I'm going to have the closet be neat because closets should be neat. And I would get really frustrated that this is the fourth time this week that I am making the closet neat. Okay? And I'm really ticked off at my spouse that it's the fourth time this week and the 4,000th time in our marriage that I've done it. <laughs> and there's an invitation by the Holy Spirit in that moment. Hey, Chris. How often do you mess things up? How often do I look over the mistakes that you make? How often do I love you unconditionally? I'm not lying, but I'm really, really saddened by this. It took until about 26 or 27 years of marriage until I was in that closet and I was hanging things up saying, Holy Spirit, teach me whatever you want to teach me because I will become more like you through her. You're not, it's not my responsibility to change her. It's my responsibility to be open to how you wanna change me. Because if I spend my energy trying to change her, it's really frustrating. 
and we get nowhere. I think, too, we came to the place where if Chris could, now you might think, Mary, why don't you just put your clothes on the hanger, which I think I do maybe a little oh, bit more Oh, you do phenomenally better now. But yeah. um, <laughs> I'm just trying to save face. Don't mind me. No. Um, but where if you could do it with love, like out of my love for Mary, yep. like she was probably, you know, trying to get the girls out the door to wherever. So she just like, you know, made a quick change and didn't whatever. Like if you could in love do that, then yep. you would. Yeah, absolutely. And so that yeah. was the invitation on the table. If you can, if you can do this in love. And I would ask, I would off, there are times when things would come out of my mouth, uh, either out of intensity or just out of pure stupidity. Now, th- can I just ask the guys in the room, let's do the car story really quick and then we'll go on from that and then we'll kind of land the plane. But guys, how many of you have ever said something that you wish you could take back? Okay, how many of you have done it enough that you really need to put two hands up in the air? Okay, so here's one of my famous ones that we told last night. This is kind of funny. So Chris and I were leading a, um, a couple's Bible study at our house, and um, in, the, in the book, it gave, at the front of the book, some icebreakers to kind of just start a little conversation with the group before, you know, you would dive into things. And so the question that they asked was, how would you describe your spouse as a vehicle? And so, um, like, there was one guy who described his wife as a Ford Focus because she's, like, very practical, and she's very, I'm like, don't be calling me a Ford Focus. But, um, and so I had a really, really awesome one for Chris, and I was saving it for last because I was like, oh, it's going to top everybody else's, like, this is so perfect. And so what I was going to say for him and what I did say was that he was a a BMW 740IL. At the time, it was a V8, 740. They have a 750 now. So I would upgrade him to that now. But at the time, um, you know, it's this eight-cylinder. It's really slick. I mean, it hugs the road. It's classy. It's in kind of a league of its own, whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a good one because this is my husband. Like, he's amazing that way. Okay. So I want to save mine for last. So I say, you know, I tell Chris to go ahead and say his. And... um, And so he says, now I'm sure he was thinking he was going to do one better than the Ford Focus guy, okay? And so he's like, you know, I would describe Mary as a motorhome. (laughs) I was like, what? I might be larger than the average woman, but I am no (laughs) motorhome. Now, because in my mind, I thought he was going to say, if I got to pick, I thought it was going to be a Volkswagen Beetle, like a bug. I've always wanted a 1966 Volkswagen Bug, always wanted one. And so, you know, like fun, zippy eyelashes that go like this on the front of the car, like that's what he's going to say. He said motorhome. Then he started back paddling, you know, like explaining that it was because like, you know, I'm a party on wheels. I'm always ready for the next adventure, like whatever you need. I mean, if you, I don't have my bag here. It's in Steve's office, but I always have a bag with like, I'm that mom. I'm the octo mom that has everything anybody could need. So yeah. So yeah, that was. Yeah, so I'm, I'm forever saying things that I probably shouldn't have said, right? And we've had to work through. Here, here's the point. The point is, is that our relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in our life. The only reason we're still married together today is because we have both chosen per, to pursue Jesus. And with all, if we spend an inordinate amount of energy trying to save or change the other person, all we'll end up with is frustration. 
So if we could leave you with anything today, it would be, would you, would you consider what does it look like for you to pursue the person of Jesus? Guys, I lovingly got in your face a few minutes ago and I begged you to come alive emotionally. The only way I think that's really gonna happen is if you pursue the person of Jesus. And one of the ways to do that is to get around people that are already pursuing the person of Jesus and spend some time with them. To really say, you know what, that person appears to have something that I don't or to have a depth in their relationship with God that I don't. I wanna hang out with them a little bit. I wanna ask them some questions. Maybe I'm gonna to go to these classes that All Shores has at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning, four times a month. And I'm just gonna learn what it means to take the next step in my relationship with God. For Mary, man, that, that's looked like pursuing him. And you wanna talk briefly about that because we need to land the plane, but what does that look like for you? Yeah, so I mean, it started as kind of a challenge that somebody gave me once. Like, what if you spent 10 minutes alone with God every day? And at the time, I used to, you know, curl my hair all up and everything, and I was like, I fix my hair for 10 minutes a day. Surely I can spend 10 minutes alone with God. And so I started that, but 10 minutes turned into 20, and 20 turned into 30. And, um, and so now, you know, I get up in the morning, I put my coffee pot on, I put my iPad on the kitchen counter, I begin playing worship music in our house because I want to set the atmosphere of our home. One of the things I said in the first service is, you know, we were singing, this is a house of miracles. And this house is a house of miracles, this local church. Praise God for that. But you know what? So is your house, wherever you live. That's a house of miracles also. But it takes inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit into our home. And so it's as simple as that kind of thing, setting the atmosphere, praying. Like when I'm kind of doing stuff in the kitchen in the morning and making my coffee or whatever, I'm praying out loud to God already. I'm talking, I'm inviting him into every part of our day. And the other night, I just want to say this briefly, but the other night, Chris asked me a question as we were going to bed, and I answered him really honestly um, with that question, and it was just something about, you know, I really feel like the season of life we're in right now, it's not working. Like, your schedule is too much. You're gone too, too much. The girls... I'm gone. I'm gone too much, yep. Yeah. And so, but I was, I was honest. I wasn't harsh about it, because thank God, uh, I've made some progress in that department. Um, and so, but all glory to him for that. Um, and so the next morning, um, I was praying in the kitchen, and I had been worshiping. And then I sat down with my Bible, and I read Ephesians. Um, and I was reading a part of Ephesians that's actually a prayer. And um, it's Ephesians 14 through 3, 14 through 21. And I wrote it out, kind of just reworded it myself, used my own, kind of put myself in there. And for the sake of time, I won't read that to you. But um, I wrote that. And then at the end of that, I wrote eight verses of truth. And my mind is literally recalibrated. I thank you, God, for my faith in you, for my history with you, that I know your faithfulness, that I know that I can trust you. And the thing is, is that I also, and this is where Chris and I have come, I can trust the Holy Spirit at work in him. I don't have to beat that thing that I brought up the other night with like a dead horse. I can say, honey, I think we need to address this. And I can trust that he will then go to the Holy Spirit with that and say, God, what do I need to change? What do we need to tweak with my schedule and, and with some different things? 
And so we've come to a place where I can, we can mutually submit. I can submit to Chris because I trust that he has my best interest at heart, that he's gonna go to the Father and say, God, what is the right thing for me to do? And he's gonna follow through with that. And that is where growing your relationship with Jesus is so key and so paramount to having decent relationships around you. Two of my very, very, very best friends are single. One is a little older than I am and she's never been married. My other really good friend has been married twice and engaged once and broken that off. And she's single for a different reason. Another third friend I could actually share is, is, is single again at, by, by, by death. And so each of them, I say this to you as single people, the Holy Spirit, he wants to breathe life into you in this season of your life. However you are, wherever you are in your single journey, Holy Spirit is right there with you too. And so ask him, God, what do you have for me in this? What is the gift you're giving me in this time of singleness? Because he is. And so I could talk for a whole long time, but I'll be quiet now. <laughs> I think the invitation that we just want to encourage you with is that the scripture says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Amen. And this series is talking about joy. How do we find joy in the middle? Because so many people go through a Michigan winter and get depressed. When there's an invitation on the table by the Holy Spirit to actually have joy. Mm -hmm. To actually have joy. But joy comes out of a, a relationship with God where we're feeding off him and allowing. And again, we might have to get around some other people that are down the road a little bit from us and just learn from them. Please do that. It's not like we come out of our mother's womb immediately knowing how to do it. Sometimes we've just got to learn. But out of that learning and out of our joy in our relationship with God comes this, which is, which is so much more joyful than we'd ever get by ourselves. So our prayer for you as we close, and I'm going to have Mary close this in prayer. Our prayer for you is whether you're single or married, dating whatever, our prayer is that you would experience the joy of God in your life by pursuing him. And out of that will come this relationship with the other person. God will help you with how you need to be transformed so that you can have the marriage or have the relationship you want to have with people. So Mary, would you yeah. close this in prayer? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your intentional love for each one of us. Lord, that's been a theme over the morning that different voices have said that and different songs have said that. Lord, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to come so you could have relationship with us. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in the hearts and the minds of the beautiful people in this room and those taking part of this service someplace else. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would Help them to see if they are living up to everything you paid for. Not by a way of pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, but of availing ourselves to all that we have in our relationship with you. All that we can have if we'll put in the effort, if we'll show up, if we'll quiet our hearts before you, if we'll spend time in your word and let you recalibrate our funky feelings and emotions and realities. Lord, your Holy Spirit is alive and well. God, you are so aware of what we're going through at any given time. And you want to speak to us. You want to encourage us. You want to breathe life into those places that we feel are, are dry and dead bones. And so God, I pray that you would do that. 
I pray, Father, for every person in this room, Jesus, to take one step closer to you, one step deeper. I think about the beautiful Pacific Ocean that I grew up next to. And I thank you, Lord, that you invite us not to stand on the shore and look at it, but to actually wade deeper into that ocean. And so, God, I pray wherever we are on the journey, that we would take that next step, whatever it is for us. I just pray, Lord, for an increased hunger and thirst for each person in this room, for more of you, Lord Jesus, so that it's reflected in our relationships with the people around us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time we've had in your house this morning. Bless these beautiful people, I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, will you guys just hang on? Don't go down yet. <clears throat> Chris, Mary. Wait, wait. Come on back up just a second. Come on back. Sorry. Let me have you stand out here. Uh, I do want, I want you to thank them again first. So I'd like to get, come on up. <clears throat> yeah. um, I, I do want to pray for them. You know, a lot of times when you hear people talk about denominations, they go, oh, denominations, oh, I'll touch it, I don't know what they're doing. And, and they're leading, Chris is leading in particular, a very significant area of our movement. And we're grateful for him, for how he leads, and who he is. Like, we, we actually love our movement and love those leading us. And, uh, and they carry a lot in their own lives. You do in your role. You do walk alongside. And I simply want to pray for them as they've given to us so deeply today. So we're going to pray for them together now. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for Chris and Mary and the blessing they are to our church, to our movement. And, you know, I thank you for the way uh, Chris has been such an investor and friend to me and that they have been to Jane and I and just to our church too. And so, Lord, with all that they carry, we pray for deepening intimacy with you. Yes, Even what they've spoken to us, we pray you would bless them in response and their best would be ahead of them. Yes, we pray you would deepen that oneness in marriage and it would be increasingly their ambition and their passion and how they live out who you are. And so we pray the best ahead for them. And then in his role, we pray wisdom and favor and, uh, and even just discernment with so much and being too much there even is to do that you'd carry him in that. We bless our friends, this leader, this marriage, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. 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 Let's thank Thanks them again. Be. Love you. Thanks, too.